DL Mayfield. And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And this is the Prophetic Imagination Station Podcast. Where we discuss evangelical media from the 80s and 90s to understand how it impacted us and our generation. This season, we're talking about DC Talk's album, Jesus Free. Welcome to the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast, and we are talking about Jesus Freak this season. Hopefully you already know that and have been following along, but today we are going to talk about a song, one of those like flyover songs that we've been talking about called Like It, Love It, Need It. Yeah, it's funny. I, I wonder if people even know what this song is, right? I, I Maybe when they hear the beginning... They probably won't. This is sort of the same as the song that we talked about with Kevin Nye, where I feel like it actually is like until it gets going. No, I, I think the beginning is iconic. Really? Okay. Iconic. Can okay. we like insert it right here? Yes. Okay. Under these circumstances, they can hardly cope. Notice their fleeting glances. Okay, why do you think it's iconic? Dude, I love it. Okay, so I was, you know, very sheltered, isolated kid. And so that kind of sound at the beginning, mm-hmm. I just thought, it, I mean, that's obviously trying to be grunge, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Like, who are they copying? I mean, My- this, is th- this is the most I've ever enjoyed Toby Mac. <laughs> and then later in the song, he goes into trying to be a BC boy and it's uh-huh. terrible. But like here, it's like a chipper Kurt Cobain. And I was into it like i had Mm -hmm. no access to grunge music so this Mm -hmm. was it so my little ears just perked up when the beginning i hated that other parts like honestly Uh when michael tate started and kevin i was like no i like this like weird grunge and also the bass yes the bass line in this song is good and this Uh is you know precursor to me learning the bass so Mm -hmm. i I don't know there's just Mm -hmm. something about the sound that it was very new for me. Yeah, right. And it's funny because it's so not DC Talk in terms of sort of where they've been. Oh, I guess that's for, I'm like, isn't that funny? I'm like, I love this right. intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I was trying to figure it out, like, because in my mind, when I hear, I I hear they might be giants in the Malcolm in the Middle theme song. What? Yes, no, maybe. maybe that same sort of like kind of voice. And it's, it's a little nasally, a little whiny, a uh-huh. little, like, teenage rebellion. I, I don't know. Right. I was like, they definitely got notes to try and yeah ride I, the Nirvana popularity wave, maybe. Yeah, I was like, I know so very little about 90s rock. Um, so little. I was like, I know they're copying someone I don't know who. So I asked on Twitter, uh, on our PIS um, Twitter account, uh, which you all should follow. No. Um, no, we're getting off Twitter, everyone. Oh, I forgot we were just talking about that. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. If you're still on Twitter, you can follow us. But if you're not on Twitter like me, get out of there. Turns out that Find there's our Facebook group. a Substack versus Twitter war yeah. that DL was just telling me about. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't, y'all, I wouldn't know very much about what is happening in the world um, if DL did not tell me. And I'm not even very aware these days, so that's scary. I woke up and (laughs) spent a lot of my morning looking at research papers on high-masking autistic folks um, because I'm doing a training. But that's also just like, that's where I go. I am not in the pop culture. Uh, 
But uh, right, which is why we're discussing an album that is how many years old? <laughs> Almost coming up on twenty. No, thirty, babe. Oh my god! Coming up on thirty yes. years okay. old. Yes. By the way, this is really going to confuse people because up until this point in the season, we have literally not really discussed the songs in depth at all. And today, I'm like, I feel like that's all we're going to do. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Before I do want to give. Uh, uh Tamara credit hopefully i'm saying your name right um that they said i'm hearing strong super drag vibes with the little archers of loaf i have no idea what any of that i means. don't know who they but are either but going. that's why we need yeah. people like you okay. to weigh in because we do not know okay uh this definitely is like to me it's the most evangelistic song so this far one? yes the whole song is a musical version of a testimony. Is it? Yes, I think so. And I think if <laughs> you obviously don't think so. Well, I don't know. But here's the thing is, I mean, you know, we think about like this is for a Billy Graham crusade. Okay. And basically the whole format, we'll talk about each of these, but to give you all a overview, it starts off with like, what's the problem? Yeah. Uh, can I tell you the problem? Yes. This is my generation. Drowning in despair. Oh, I know. Where did the O come from? Because it has to rhyme. No, it. I guess you're right. You don't right. seem to care. Oh, this is my generation. Drowning in despair. Oh, right. I mean, they could have just done a iconic A A B B rhyme. I know scheme, but they chose A A A A because they needed another forcing. Beat. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Did they? I don't know. It forces them to tack an O on. No, that's the grunge, two... baby. That's grunge. <laughs> I know. That's you what just I add an I O at like... the end of things. That's grunge, baby. <laughs> I really think that's, <laughs> that's what they're... Christian they're... grunge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were really the precursors of MXPX. They just didn't know it. Oh yeah. Pop punk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean. So that so that's what Toby Mac is telling us. Like our generation is drowning in despair. Like mm-hmm. this is literally their response to the teenage angst song by Nirvana. Oh no, I'm really adding myself as um, <laughs> smells like teen spirit. There we go. Um, and then he says, "You'll never find peace of mind in your pool of self. Mm-hmm. You'll never find peace of mind in your sea of wealth. You'll never find peace of mind in your rock and roll." You'll never find peace of mind if you sell your soul. Right. So those are the things to avoid. Right. Exactly. And that's where that like testimony thing to me sounds like I can imagine someone getting up on stage and saying like, I was in despair. I was in this hard place. I couldn't cope. And like, I tried to turn to myself. I tried to like, you know, turn to wealth. I was in the rock and roll lifestyle, you know, that sort of thing. And then they give us the solution. Okay. Right. I guess I, I I'm pretty sure I know what it is. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's in one of the words in the album title. Right? Right. Which is Jesus. So it says uh basically it says you gotta like it, you gotta love it. I know you need some freedom from the strife. Need some 
and Jesus in your life. So basically, yeah, problem is despair. Here are the things that don't work. Jesus works. Right. Right. And so I wonder, like, for you, when you hear you just need Jesus, that's what I hear in this song, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that land with you? Yeah, I think that it's just really shitty when you actually are a person who experiences despair at the state of the world and what it's like to be a person. And, you know, this is a really common emotion for teenagers, right? Teenagers who are sort of waking up to the world and how it doesn't treat people well. It's racist. It's homophobic. It's, you know, capitalism is not helping it. Like, I think despair and overwhelm is really a common response, right? And Mm -hmm. so just to hear like, all you need is Jesus. Like, Mm -hmm. okay. I I don't know. It makes me feel tired because I'm like, yeah, that's what I was literally told over and over again. And no other thing was I ever told. Except it's funny that they kind of talk about riches. Like you can't find it in a sea of wealth. But it's like, what's (laughs) funny is like, you just need some Jesus. It's like, yeah, the hope is you would be also comfortably middle class. You would not be protesting things. You you know, you know it's just mm-hmm. funny. Like, you would listen to worship music. It's just funny. Like, all the other things that come with the, you just need Jesus. And then it kind of gets my brain worrying, like, well, what do they mean when they say Jesus? You know? Mm-hmm. What do they mean? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, I think to what, like... Li- Adhere to white middle class norms, yeah, or liberty, liberty yes. university, like it's Jerry Falwell, <laughs> right? That's what it is. I, I don't know what else to say. Like, mm-hmm. that's the concept of Jesus they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and it's just really interesting to look back at my life growing up completely ensconced in this world, right? They don't ever get very particular about mm. what that would look like mm-hmm. if you had Jesus in your life, and so you have to figure it out by context clues, right? Which is like mm-hmm. your Christian parents, the books they allow you to read, the sermons at church, what they say in youth group, you know, and all of those messages together, you realize like, yeah, they have so little to do with the historical Jesus and everything to do with dominant culture, white, middle-class, conservative Republican values. So that's, you know, what I would mm-hmm. say now, that's the Jesus they're saying. A, a Jesus is a um, Made up voice inside your head that matches to uh, Jerry Falwell. Mm-hmm. That's what you need in your life, <laughs> right? That's the prescription. I th- I think it's like thinking about this really um, made me. It was making me think a lot about what do I think brings people peace, and like even for I think years now, like even as a Christian counselor, I mean. <laughs> I'm not a Christian counselor. Let me rephrase that. As a Christian and a counselor, I am not a Christian counselor. I don't think like, oh, well, if you just had Jesus in your life, then things would go better. You would feel better, right? And this is sort of what this is promising. This is promising if you have some Jesus in your life, then things will, you'll feel better, right? That's kind of the message. And so... um. It just really made me realize, like, it's been a very long time since I've ever thought, like, oh, if someone, um, you know, prays more or, like, you know, I just, I don't think that Jesus intervenes. I haven't for a long time thought that Jesus intervenes in that way. Like, I think that, like, we have needs as humans that help us get healthier and feel better, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it is... 
uh, Saturday between Good Friday and Easter. Mm-hmm. And even I was looking at this poem I wrote three years ago for KJ Ramsey, my friend, for her pre-order. Um, and we were supposed to write like, you know, we wrote poems. Um, and so I wrote this poem called A Flicker in the Night, which just basically was like, you know, people waited for a long time for Jesus to come. And then Jesus came and then died and then left. And it's there's still just like so much pain and suffering in the world. And I do not know what his death meant. Mm-hmm. And so it's just interesting, like this idea of like, you just need Jesus. I mean, it feels very like mega church to me, right? Like, you know, are you, are you having these problems? Like, come on in, like you can get to know Jesus and things will get better. But I just have been really f- like wrestling with, I think for a long time. I mean, when I was 16, I read uh, Reaching for the Invisible God by Philip Yancey. Yeah. Which I don't think every 16-year-old does, but it, it that signals to me that like even at 16, I was like, it feels like there's something that's supposed to be happening here that's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this sets us up for that. And yet at the same time, I'm really feeling this tension as you're talking because I'm like, we can pick this apart and, you know, we can go through the rest of the song too. Just again, DC Talk saying these are the problems in society. Um, This is the problem with our generation. This is where you're looking, you know, Mm. for your despair and strife and you just need Jesus, you know. But I'm like, how is that any different from progressive churches that are like, all you need is the right concept of a liberative God and Mm -hmm. then you'll be happy Mm -hmm. and then you'll be at peace. And then, you know, like you just need liberation theology or you just need the Episcopal church or, you know, Mm -hmm. think about the work you do, right? You just need a secure attachment with God. It's just like, uh, like it's, it's still fitting in this same pattern of here's what's wrong in the world. Here's how you've tried to fix it. All you actually need is God. Mm-hmm. I mean, because this is about Jesus, but it's also about God, you know, and, and I think that sometimes we just switch that out. Right. So that's the tension I'm feeling mm-hmm. in this song. It's like, we can pick this apart all we want, but I'm like, to me, it's the language I hear from pro- progressive Christians. Right. Exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I totally agree. And that's kind of like even what I was thinking about is when, yeah, like I said, I've had this tension my whole life. I wrote this book saying, like, here's how you can have a secure attachment with God. Um, and I I think looking back on it, um, I was like, I was just thinking about this. Like, I wrote in my book about having this experience with God where it felt like God showed up and it was like, God said, like, I'm your mother. Like, you can, um, basically, you can share whatever emotions. You can be a wreck. You can be okay. And... Um, if I'm being really honest right now, I'm like, I don't think that you need God to have an experience of healing like that. Mm -hmm. I think that we all need like, whether it's within ourselves, whether it's a significant relationship. Um, I think it was important to me because of being a Christian, because that was my religious like upbringing and my worldview. And like, I needed permission from God and I needed care from God to say like, you're okay. Yeah. But I don't think that it was God specifically that made it better. It was more like kind of fixing my view of God, like this thing that had been a burden. So I don't know. That's just like kind of where I'm at right now 
if I'm really honest with y'all listeners. Yeah. Is... But to me, it's to me, I still hear some echoes of like, you gotta like it, you gotta love it, like you gotta know that God actually is a good attached parent. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. like, no, I don't. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. No, I don't. Like maybe that is great for some people, but that is tr- really not great for everybody. Right. And possibly not most people. And so that's where I'm just like Oh, I just still hear some of that stuff. Like, if you just had the right concept of God, then all this will be better. And, you know, again, I'm like, I know that works for some people, but I just want to be the voice out there for for other people. to be like, nope. <laughs> like, uh. that's actually not what we need. And, you know, that stuff still can really um, be at odds with what, what they in this song call your pool of self, you know, like mm-hmm. self-trust, like mm-hmm. self-trust, like God and Jesus, this, this concept of, of another voice inside our head that we listen to can, can be so detrimental for self-trust, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this song is, continues to say. And and it's funny because it also, like it, just reading some of the lyrics through the lens of like social upheaval, and like uh-huh. young people, young people of color being involved in resisting change. Like I'm thinking about what happened in Tennessee with these two amazing, you know, black legislators, young men, you know, being expelled from the legislature because they stood up with their constituents constituents to say we don't want gun violence to rule our lives anymore, right? And so just to see these phrases like, he who complains the loudest wears the fattest crown. You know, we're uh-huh. anti everybody. Like we're everybody's so paranoid. I'm like That yeah. is straight out of Liberty University. Right. So it's just like then you get to say, like, yeah, everybody who's complaining too much about this world, like, wow, you're going about it the wrong way. You just need Jesus. I'm mm-hmm. like, so Jesus in this song is a silencing tactic. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could, you know put it down to one sentence, it's that. It's a silencing tactic for young people who have despair and, like, are complaining about social problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And as you're talking, I'm like, this sounds like someone who, with the clarity of someone who's read quite a bit of uh, Dr. Dobson, <laughs> right? Because it's that same theme. Oh, I know. He talked about this. This is like, this is like... This how is the he cool starts, version of Dr. Dobson. <laughs> now, this is like literally how he starts every one of his parenting books. It's mm-hmm. like the the young people this this day and age, like they just complain and they are protesting and changing the social order. Like what we really need is to get back to, you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, so then the second thing they say, you can't find a peace of minded. Do you want oh, to talk about it? Well, just a minute, because we we gotta not miss this last line. Oh, well, I ain't no judge or jury, jury, but I'm praying for you. Is the line in the song after it says, "He who complains the loudest wears the fattest crown." We we're anti everybody. Call it paranoia. So that's still talking about yes, our the generation. Young folks, yes. Mm-hmm. Then he says, "Well, I ain't no judge or jury, but I'm praying for you." Oh wow, passive aggressive, <laughs> right? Christianese. One, one of the most passive aggressive. Also, you are so judgmental. This entire song is so judgmental. Like <laughs> right. that's so Christian to be like, oh, "I'm no judge or jury. I'm praying for you." I'm like, 
That is literally the most judgmental thing. You I know. Say. I'm like reading this. I can't believe that they put it in a song. I well, mean, I, I can. can. <laughs> I mean, how many times have you experienced that in your actual life? Uh, yes. Do you think mm-hmm. evangelical Christians are really harsh and judgmental of other people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you just say like, I'm praying for you, that, that is very judgment, judgmental. What would you do? Like if somebody said they were praying for you like that right now, how would you respond? No, no, you I'm wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. You would never. You even <laughs> had to whisper it just now. <laughs> you would never. It doesn't make me so mad. But is that how so you mad. feel? Is that how you feel? Yes, that's how I feel that inside. That is kind of shocking to me. I'm sure that'll shock the listeners yes. if you don't believe that out. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, forgot I forgot that I'm not supposed to say that. I've heard people have been commenting in the last episode. They're like, wow. <laughs> you know. Anyways. Uh, I mean, remember when we went to the Sean Foyt protest in 2020 and people were trying to pray for me and I said it was spiritual abuse. I Can I share something? I saw a TikTok from this account called The Feral Pastor's Wife and she had this great response. Like if somebody says, I'm praying for you, you could say, "Um, I appreciate what that means to you. Mm. Sort of passive aggressive, Uh but it doesn't have to be taken that way. Uh And you could acknowledge like, okay, that's your deal. And that is not actually helpful to me, but mm-hmm. I understand how important that is to you. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I like the layers to that response. Just that mm-hmm. people need need something. I feel like we don't have uh, – that doesn't happen very much in our life. Well, but it does, well, it did to me until I told people to stop talking to me about God. Uh-huh. Explicitly, setting some boundaries. Um, but yeah, so you'll never find your peace of mind in – your lucky charm. What does that mean? I don't know. Is this a 90s thing? No. You'll I... never find your peace of mind. On a, on a hippie farm. Yeah, you're supposed to end oh, this. Okay. You'll never find peace of mind. In a one night stand. And this is the most important one. You'll never find peace of mind. In your Superman. In Marvel movies. Like this song was prophetic and it was like (laughs) basically the MCU is going to take over all media and all movies and we'll never just get like really nice mid-budget romantic comedies ever again. So you'll never be happy. (laughs) Like you'll never be happy ever again because the MCU will poach up every good actor and every screen director and – so that's that's what I think that oh, means. Oh, I see. Yeah, I mean, this is this again feels like that testimony piece to me. You know, like I was on a hippie farm. I was trying to find, you know, find a peace of mind, but it wasn't until I found Jesus that I, you right. know, um, yeah, and it comes right back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I I just am realizing that I have spent my whole life trying to figure out like how do I feel better about myself Mm -hmm. you know like how do I have that peace of mind how do I feel secure and um and a big piece of that actually was Christianity for me like there was always this question of like are you really okay like I was listening to these um Billy Graham sermons the other day because I was doing research for something I was writing and he's just always like are you sure you're saved are you sure you've repented yeah everybody thinks he's so great he like he feeds the OCD yes he does and so when I think about my book if it's okay for me to like talk about this for a minute yeah just like talk about in writing my book, I think what I was doing was I was trying to help my OCD. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, 
like the, and let me just be clear if you're maybe not tracking um for me and i think for a lot of us there's that thing in the back of your mind all the time like am i okay am i doing it right am i close to god um you know for me it was a lot of hell anxiety like what if i'm slipping away what if god is disappointed in me like all so much of the time i would sort of check in to be like am i okay with god mm-hmm. And what I would hear back was like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And so I think for me, when I wrote my book and did all that research, it was to help reassure myself that God is not disappointed in in me. So I didn't have to keep going back to that thought loop. But I don't think that me, I'm not saying, oh, this is something amazing that is for everyone. Um, and I, I don't think it was like really good news. <laughs> well, I also think like the big difference between you and DC talk <laughs> is that <laughs> you do think people can find healing outside of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the crucial difference. If you believe that there's multiple ways that people can build that self-trust and have positive self-regard, like it's obvious that religion has done that for so many people and including Christianity. So I'm not discounting all of that. It's just so hard to talk about this within the evangelical framework because that, you know, this song is a distillation of the evangelical framework. Like, mm-hmm. can we talk about his Toby Mac's terrible rap? Yes. <laughs> and like, it doesn't make any sense really at the beginning, but he says like, and while you're whining all the time, never changing any minds, it is clear to see your lip has lost its button. I don't know what that I, is. I was trying to figure it out. It's a military term, or like in the military, they'll say button your lip. And oh, then so, shut up. Yes. So you aren't shutting you up. You aren't shutting up. I had to think about that for a minute. Because if you take a think at this, then it's easy to admit that the selfish way you're living is for nothing. So that, so to me, that's the distillation of evangelical theology, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are just complaining all the time. You need to shut up mm-hmm. and admit that all these things that aren't Christianity, like that literally means your life is worth nothing mm-hmm. and it'll never help you. I mean, that is so the the message I got mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And I guess I believed it, you know, because I didn't really seek outside of that. Right. And it really doesn't give any space to be like, all right, like this thing that I'm feeling or this thing I'm struggling with or this like anxiety maybe is due to something else other than not having enough Jesus. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, the way I, the way I conceptualize it is just like, a supremacist or totalist ideology. And that's not something you have. And that's why I'm like, your book is really valuable. And like people doing this work without a supremacist or totalist mindset, like DC Talk had, like we have to make space for that too, right? Mm -hmm. We have to make space for religious practices um, that actually can be one part, right, of dealing (laughs) with despair in a crumbling society. Like, Mm -hmm. So I yeah I'm like I'm not discounting religion or, or Christianity at all but mm-hmm. man this is the I this think, is how this is how do you think Christian publishing is sort of centered around this yes they totally. don't want you reading other books they don't mm-hmm. want you going to therapy they want you buying Christian therapy but you know like mm-hmm. uh, which I think is like just something huge that I'm wrestling with is like if you are within that space. If me being in that space, like what message am I sending and what do I believe? So, but I think what you said is right. Like 
I do think that if, um, if people, if, if Christianity is helpful to people, like, I think that's great. And I also think like, if you're a person that's like, I want to believe better things about God, like, that's great. Um, but I think also that it's important to say like, and also you can just like, you don't have to fix that. Like you can walk away and figure out other ways to take care of yourself, other resources, I think. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like, did you write any of your book in second person? <laughs> uh, not really. Good. Because not like it's bad to do that, but it's interesting that this song is in second person, right? right? And it's also interesting to think like they weren't actually reaching a wide audience. They were singing this to Christian kids like me, right? Mm-hmm. And they're saying, you'll never find peace of mind in a pool of self. Like, mm-hmm. You gotta like it. You gotta <laughs> love it. I know you need it. It's funny because I my editor made me write it in second person. <laughs> so I so said, Christian. I said not really, but in a sense of like, um, rather than saying like, um, you know, some of us have felt anxious about yeah. God our whole lives, saying like you've felt anxious about God your whole life. So in more of a validating way, like I know that there. So, but um, yeah, and. You mentioned the like baseline and yeah. towards the end, right? Mm-hmm. Where and then they start chanting, like it, love it, need it. Which feels so like I I you know I think they're just doing something musical there yeah. trying to be cool, but it feels brainwashy to well, me. Well, it is. Right? It feels brainwashy. Probably like, is. What when you hear like? I well, was trying to, I was trying to like, figure this out. It says you uh-huh. have to like it. Yes. You have to. I mean, you know, you gotta like it. You gotta love it. And like, I know you need it. Uh huh. What does that mean? Are they telling people you have to feel this way about it? That's yes. what I assume. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is just one small piece of like a brainwashing mm-hmm. thing, which is like you know we were in a closed circuit. We only we've talked about this a lot, but right? If you only get Christian music, if you only read Christian books, if you only go to a Christian school or have Christian textbooks and have Christian parents and have youth group friends, like yeah, this message is like bombarded into you, like. Nothing else the world has to offer is important. All you need is Jesus. Mm-hmm. All you need is Jesus. And it just, it sounds so good on the outset, but then, you know, it that has really dire meanings, actually, for what that means. Because really, it's just saying, don't look anywhere else mm-hmm. uh, for anything. Right, yeah. And that's really bad. And it really, for me, brings up this question that I think is just like a good question. What is unique about Christianity that can't be found elsewhere. They're saying there's something unique about it. I think for me, mm -hmm. like that's been a question that I've been like wrestling with and maybe other people are in that same, which doesn't mean that you can't choose or like that you don't choose Christianity. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think that's like, that's something I've wrestled with for I think a long time because otherwise it's like, well, if you, if there's something so uniquely amazing about Christianity but you only have access to it if you are born in certain Western countries, you know, or like, you know, certain countries in Africa as well. Yeah. 
like that just brings up a huge question. And do I believe that um, there are people that have no access to Christianity that um, they can live healthy, fulfilling lives? DC Talk would say no. Yeah, I mean, in in the in light of this entire album, which is literally called Jesus Freak, this song, you know, mentions the name Jesus over and over again, talks about how we absolutely need him. Can't there's no way out to live a real fulfilling life without him. Also, Jesus will help you stop being upset about the state of the world and help you accept the world. It's just how it's supposed to be. Um <laughs> And it literally never once engages with the life and words of Jesus, like a historical Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you can just like replace Jesus in this song with like a cult leader name uh-huh. and it fits perfectly, uh-huh. like that's it. It could be the Rajneesh, you know, it could be anything because it's just a disembodied image that you put in your head, right? Mm-hmm. And you live your life in accordance to this disembodied image mm-hmm. right and for us of course it was white jesus you know mm-hmm. and conservative white jesus and so i'm like yeah this is absolutely brainwashing jesus freak as an album was brainwashing mm-hmm. um for a disembodied a historical jesus who would encourage young people to never look outside of evangelical christianity for mm-hmm. anything including politics which is really important yeah so you've been reading this book called When God Talks Back uh-huh. and been telling me snippets about it that I found fascinating. There is this dynamic that happens, right, where um, people, uh, you know, get into Christianity or have been in it, and then they hit this wall of, like, I don't feel peace. I don't feel these things that are promised. And maybe you felt it even in the beginning, right? Uh-huh. Like, I think people who grew up charismatic have that experience, right? You'll get this big emotion or in worship when you're a Mm -hmm. teenager in high school, right? Like, and you're on your camp trip and you're really tired and then you feel the Holy Spirit and then you're always chasing that high because you felt good. Mm -hmm. And now you have to do so much work, you know, to get yourself back to that place of feeling good, right? Right. And it keeps you on this little cycle. Right. And I think what's, just to kind of set this up, um, what I found fascinating about it is the person that wrote this book, When God Take Talks Back, Luhuman, I think, um, is an anthropologist. So just to kind of give some framework for this, it's like they were trying to study, like, what happens? Like, how do people cope? It's not like, a, um, yeah, it's coming from this sort of, like, objective trying to understand peace. I mean, you were telling me about how there is there are these coping mechanisms that hit that come up right this narrative around like if you're not feeling peace it's because god is putting you through a challenge or wants you to trust him more or yeah and so it's like there's a variety of ways you can respond if you're in this place where they are telling you about this interventionist god this personal jesus that you can talk to all day that will tell you how to live your life and that you should always be trying to be more receptive to that voice and always trying to align your thoughts, actions, beliefs, everything to this disembodied voice of Jesus, right? So, and if, you know, again, and this gives even more sticky and charismatic because like DC Talk wasn't even charismatic, right? Mm -hmm. So take it one step farther in charismatic churches where they're like, yeah, Jesus wants you to feel good, but also like physically wants to heal you Uh and wants to give you prophecies and wants you to speak in tongues and... Um, so 
if something happens, right, and you pray for healing for somebody and they're not healed, right, then you have a little bit of a crisis. Like, well, do I mm-hmm. – no. If you spent all your time being surrounded by people who say, no, Jesus is good, mm-hmm. Jesus is present, like, you're not going to blame Jesus, right? right. You're going to blame yourself in a way. And, and, yeah, in the book, when God talks about it, it's very interesting how a lot of charismatic people, according to this anthropologist, Tanya Luhrmann, you know, they were like, oh, it's actually a sign – that God is just testing you, right? Like mm-hmm. now you're a mature believer. And so like God pulls back his presence. So you must like worship more and pray more. And it's all about testing your relationship. Like how devoted are you to God? And and actually, you know, t- this <laughs> anthropologist are like, but what about like the big things? Like when one of the pastors of the churches dies of cancer, like young and leaves young kids like mm. – she was sort of saying like you would expect people to just leave or just mm-hmm. have this huge existential crisis and they didn't all they said was like yeah god's ways are not our ways mm-hmm. and i think that was so fascinating to me is like there is no big response it's just like yeah we don't we just don't know uh-huh. and that's how they deal with this disconnect and i was like yeah that's how i was raised for sure you know like right yeah <gasps> and i think it's so interesting in the context of this song because they're saying like jesus will give you peace yes right and so but so what happens when you don't feel the peace yeah then you have to have this like you know uh what like plan b sort of like it's still true yeah i wrote three books that's what happened to me i know i mean i think that's relevant because i think that's where (laughs) a lot of us go like i think about reading philip yancey Uh i think about like people that i really respect in a lot of ways have written about these things right like i've always been drawn to people that are you know talking about how you know i don't always feel god or like things are not as i was promised and you know but it's interesting to think about um you know if that's helpful that's great but to recognize the ways that the people that people that are more honest about like not feeling god can actually like drive home this narrative more in a different way okay i'm gonna say something really intense okay okay so when I think about evangelicalism, no, no surprise there. <laughs> when I think about evangelicalism and white evangelicalism and DC talk and the media and everything we were just saturated with, all this indoctrination is what I would call it now. What I think is really kind of sad is when I think about the people who stayed, you know, like I stayed until I was, you know, 38 years old. Not really, but you know, mm-hmm. just somewhat in it. And I feel like the common denominator is the people who stay are the people who blame themselves for not feeling peace instead Mm. of blaming God or instead of looking at the system and being like, wait a minute, this doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. it's people who are like, oh yeah, I am a little piece of shit that needs to try harder. Like, of course I don't feel God's presence. I don't really deserve, I think about all the situations I've put myself in Mm -hmm. and it really seems to speak to a fundamental like lack of sense of self or or self-love or self-trust and like that's really a bummer and so it is hard for me to engage in evangelical spaces now even people who are trying to reform it who are trying to do all this good work because to me it's like i can just sense people who do not feel loved or accepted and are just desperately trying to make it good Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe I'm wrong and I don't see that in all faith traditions or all Christian traditions, but there's just something about this interventionist God or Jesus will give you everything you need and that's all you need. And like when that doesn't actually pan out, mm-hmm. the people who stay in this cycle 
of striving to be close to God, I'm like, oh yeah, people who don't like themselves. Like that's mm-hmm. the common denominator to me. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there's a sense of relief when people, whoever, whether it's Philip Yancey or whoever along the way, like says like, yeah, I'm a Christian and I don't feel it sometimes too, you know? And like it, it creates room for less self-blame in a way, right? But it also, I think, puts us in this weird place of, so this, this feel, not that Philip Yancey is progressive, but it feels more progressive, right? Like it feels more like out of this, like happy Christian K-love, like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but then you're still left with that same question. And I think for myself as someone who's like, okay, well then how do I deal with this question? What's the problem? Like, I, I think the premise of like, well, God must be good. Yeah. I have to figure out how to make this make sense is where you end up. Like sometimes that works for people. Like we're, we're not trying to like degrade people that have like, this is, you know, this is their uh, faith tradition that they choose. That they choose. Here's the other difference. Mm -hmm. Did Philip Yancey ever have a choice? If you read his new memoir, it doesn't seem like he had a choice. Mm -hmm. His mom dedicated him to God and was like really, intensely emotionally immature person like Phil has his own shit going on but like for so many people born and raised in evangelicalism who read Philip Yancey books when they were 16 years old like people like you and me mm-hmm. we never had the choice mm-hmm. we were indoctrinated into this yeah I mean I think for me it just makes me realize being 16 and reading Philip Yancey means that I've spent 20 years being like, this doesn't make sense. Like, yeah. this doesn't feel good. I got to make it make sense. God has to be good. God like, has to be good. Because right. Jesus talks that. Mm-hmm. Jesus is all we need. Right, yeah. You got to like it. and You got to love it, Crispin. You got to. I was just, okay, little pivot to what we were just talking about. Finishing up the Hunger Games because uh-huh. you had to tap out because uh-huh. it was too intense. Um, if you I've lived them if, if you want in my us, mind. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk about, this is a little pitch for our Patreon-only episode that we just did about Rebecca St. James, Sister Freaks, uh, but we also talked about autistic characters, and we talked. To, I have dis- so much more to say about a, the Hunger Games a than we did in a man yeah. about the Hunger Games. Uh-huh. And they were. Um, it was just really interesting because at the end, they're like, "Do we, you know, do we die for this cause? Do we not?" Like, and at the end, they're like, "We never had a choice. Like, our lives were never our own. Like, Snow." always controlled us and we always like he could kill us at any moment and oh we never you're talking about members of the capital uh-huh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um well members of the cap but even like all the districts yeah. right like because you could get called at any point in yeah. the hunger games and i was like oh i feel that <laughs> i feel that like you never had a choice and so like the decisions you make later on like you're trying to make in this framework of like am i doing the right thing or the wrong thing but it's I don't know. Okay. No, I agree. And I keep throwing out these terms. and I I bet most people just are not understanding what I'm saying. But when I say like a totalist ideology, like Mm -hmm. the Hunger Games is an exploration of how every totalist ideology does have cracks. Mm. And it is hard work, internal work, right, to figure out how to do that and how to say, actually, there's something beyond this and everything about my childhood and my young adult life and all of that it's 
it is also totalist. And so I think it's so worth rereading works like The Hunger Games if you came from a framework of totalism, which again, has these implications for totalitarianism and thought reform and brainwashing. Like these are all elements of a totalist ideology and it's so damaging and it's so damaging to have a totalist ideology in a pluralistic society. And that is like where most of the issues in the United States is stemming from is from people with totalist ideologies, white conservative lawmakers, Mm -hmm. right? Just saying it's our way or nothing. Right. So, anyways, yeah. I have a lot more to say about that. That's probably not. <laughs> well, I mean, so if y'all, Danielle has been talking for a while about not being a Christian. Uh, you probably picked up along the way because this is the only place that I really talk publicly about my own process. Um, but watching the Hunger Games, Peter gets brainwashed and then uh-huh. he comes out and he's like, you know, true or not true. He's yeah. always like asking, like, is this true yeah. or not? And that really resonates with me too, right? And it's it's just a shitty way. Mm-hmm. To live, like, to be told this totalist ideology, it it created such internal strife for both of us, and we both dealt with it in different ways. But at the heart of it, it was like, but we don't feel good, and we don't feel loved, and we don't feel peace. And all we're being told to do with those feelings, right, is to blame ourselves and to try harder, to try harder to make it good. And so, yeah, I mean, very much elements of of the the brainwashing you got teary-eyed during the patreon only podcast uh-huh. i'm I know. i'm now. worried i'm like i'm worried for you but like you're in you're in charge of what you want to share and how you want to share it and you know what i think the people that listen to this podcast are also on a journey with us like you and i are not experiencing these huge shifts like in a vacuum like there is just a lot going on culturally I think a lot of people are like us and we want to continue to make space for people who are on a journey. But I think there is some pressure I have felt being like, okay, if we've been publicly Christian, you know, I think it's okay for us to also publicly be like, we are in a transition, you know? And just cause I might put more intense labels on it. Like the, like the, the word deconversion is so important to me um, just because it's really to me is putting the, the pressure on the indoctrination conversion experience of people who grew up like me, you know, you had to become a Christian because this is the most important thing to your parents or community or whatever, you know. So, but that's not like true for everyone. And so I hope we can keep modeling what it's like to, to keep processing this and just know like you have spent <laughs> thousands of hours thinking about this stuff. Like you really have. And yeah. Yeah. I, maybe I said this before on our podcast, but um, I was in therapy um, within the last few months and I was looking at our bookshelves, which are right here, like just our bookshelves filled with all these books of like theology and psychology. And I Plus was, all the shitty books we read for this podcast <laughs> yes, or that I true. read. You don't read them. Yes, <laughs> so but I remember just looking at it and being like, Part of me enjoys this. Like I said at at the top of the episode, like I like, you know, getting into it and doing the research and all that stuff. But part of me was also like, what if I don't want to do the research anymore to figure out how to make this make sense? Um, And that's kind of like where I'm at right now. 
I don't yeah. know exactly what that means, but yeah, I think for many years both of us have used research and intellect as a way to engage with Christianity when it you know maybe wasn't good for us spiritually or physically or any of those things, but like to engage our mind with these and there's amazing thinkers right who are Christians, all this stuff. So yeah, our bookshelf we we just have so many books, so many Christian nonfiction. But like we have tried so hard to make this work. I think there's a few people who have tried as hard as us, but you know, it's not <laughs> it's not everybody. I'll say that. I'll say that. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm so glad that we got to talk a bit about this because I think as much as like so many of us would really you know, say like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you just need Jesus. Like, I think you need doctors and therapists and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I don't Marvel know. Movies. <laughs> Marvel movies. I just can't, movies. I can't get over that. <laughs> you won't find peace in Superman. It's like, okay. Right. I, I do enjoy uh, Loki a lot. <laughs> Is that bad? <laughs> this album, this song, I mean, think about all the money that went into making it, producing it, that it, this is just like, you know, huge. And then you look at the song and you're like, the lyrics are so bad. There's like seven people credited as writers on this. I was just like, what? I mean, it really feels like they got into the studio. Like we all know, maybe we don't all know because I go deep into music. Uh, But, you know, we've all heard these stories of like, yeah, they showed up and the lyrics weren't done, but it was time to record. So they had to put a line in there that rhymed. That's what that feels like. They were calling Jerry Falwell. Jerry, what do we say? (laughs) What are the kids? What do they do instead of Jesus? Your Jesus? What do they do? Oh, Superman. Right. Yeah. We got to laugh because otherwise Christmas is just going (laughs) to crack. I'm okay. I'm just just sharing. Sharing my process. We gotta take. We're taking turns. But yeah, we so appreciate y'all being along for the journey. How many more songs do we have to talk about? Jesus freak. Well, so I'm gonna talk to someone about in the light. Okay. So that's coming yeah. up. But the last, like, yeah, we're wrapping this up, guys. The last three songs, I don't think anybody remembers them, knows them. We might need an episode called The Rest of the Songs. Yeah, let's do like a rapid fire. Mm-hmm. So we have a few more episodes to go in this season, and then we're going to wrap it up, take a little break, and then we have a pretty fun idea for what we're doing next. So, yes, we're very uh, excited about it. Very so we're, excited. We're, we're excited to to wrap this up quickly, and y'all don't want us dr- drudging through those last three songs how that nobody many, remembers. And how many more times do you want to listen to me talk about thought reform? <laughs> <laughs> You, you probably don't. <laughs> well, thank you so much, y'all, for listening. And you can always join us on Patreon because um, we talk about these things over there. We talk about the episodes. And as I mentioned before, uh, we just recorded a Patreon episode um, talking about the Hunger Games and Jesus Freaks, Sister Freaks. Um, so make sure to join us over there. Thanks so much. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. Become a Patreon supporter for as little as $1.50 a month and join our community with extra episodes and a Facebook group to talk about Jesus Freak, religious trauma, and growing up evangelical. You can find us online at propheticimaginationstation.com as well as Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, thanks for listening.